Hello, and welcome to the She's Heard podcast. My name is Emily Jennings, and you've found the place where extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life share about how they found their voice and are using it to speak up and create meaningful change. Today, I'm speaking with holistic health nerd, Laku Flipsy, founder of Enlightened Munch. Laku is a nutritionist who holds a bachelor's of science in dietetics and nutrition. She helps those struggling with nutrition and emotional eating to get to a place of total wellness. Laku uses her passion and creativity for food, nutrition, mental health, and mindfulness to help folks overcome imbalanced eating while finding wholeness and living fully. Our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and relationship to food and ourselves, what she calls mental nutrition, are just as important as what we're eating. She offers services to help us excel in all of these areas of wellness. In this episode, Laku shares her personal journey to overcoming restrictive, compulsive, and emotional eating, as well as the practice that transformed her life. I'm so honored and excited to share her story, as well as the practice that just might change your life. So without further ado, here's our conversation. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for <laughs> being open to this conversation and sharing yourself and your life. The intention of this podcast, mm-hmm. of these conversations, is to hear as many different examples of finding yourself and finding your truth and claiming that process. And my intention is to show that it's different for everybody. (laughs) And that is normal and healthy and perfect and good. And to help expand giving people permission to claim their truth and to claim their life and to show that it can look so many different ways. So you have sisters. I have two sisters. And and you are the the middle one? Middle. Okay. So I'm the second child. We grew up best friends because we were always moving around. It was kind of like we just had each other as friends instead of, you know, usually your siblings would go off to school and make friends, but we didn't actually have the opportunity to go to school because we moved around so much. We weren't officially homeschooled, but we did things like hooked on phonics and just read a bunch of books and we're just like all in our own little world growing up. Sometimes we would share this world together and just create from that. How this, did your parent? how did you get your books? Did your, was your mom or your dad, was there we, one? We would get books from libraries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. would both your parents take you or was there one parent that was more involved with making sure you guys had a proper stock of books? Well, it was my mom. We would just go to the library sometimes. She would drop us off and... It was one of the only places where we were really allowed to go. She was also really, really protective, like overly protective. We weren't allowed to really go anywhere by ourselves and have that autonomy unless we all went out together. And that usually meant you could only go to the library. So we would go to the library a lot, read, and I remember being so excited to go to the library. This is also before the internet, so, you know, there, 
I think a lot of kids were really into library back then. I was really into fairy tales and fantasy books. I think we we all went through like a fairy tale and fantasy book phase. I say that to say that we were just really close growing up. And you were your classmates. Not yeah, only we were, were your sisters, but your classmates and your spent every yeah. year together every day exploring like learning, not yeah. just as a family, but yeah, in your education. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course there were times that we were in school, but it was for such short periods of time that it really didn't support making long-term connections. I remember without the internet, it was really hard to keep in touch with people. I remember there was one time I had a pen pal from a previous school and that lasted for a couple of months. And then, yeah, I think after that, I just kind of gave up trying to make long-term connections with people outside of my siblings because I just knew that we were going to keep moving because that was my life. Do you recall having a certain feeling around that? You know, was there was there sadness? Was there safety? Was there was there... sadness, mm-hmm. and I think deciding I'm not going to get close to people outside of my family was a protective mechanism for me, and it was also a way for me to have control over my life because it felt very out of control because we were moving around so often, and it was very chaotic, and there's, you know... There's a lot of abuse at times, too, from my biological mother. My father was just, like, in and out whenever he wanted to. So it was a pretty chaotic time for me. <laughs> because of the way that we were living, when I was 15, we actually ended up in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, so my siblings and I, my two sisters and I, we got put into foster care and we were lucky enough to get put with the same family and they were really sweet and I thought all foster parents were like that and learned from my foster siblings that some people get put with people who don't feed them and treat them terribly so we just got really lucky and we got to stay together a lot of people get separated wow that's amazing yeah. That you were able, that they, the family that took you was able to keep all of you three sisters together. Yeah, they took all of us. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And did you stay, how, did you stay with the same family up through? Yeah, we stayed with the same family until I was 17. And then my mom, like, did some stuff to get us back. And we wanted to go back with her, too. So we went back with our mom. And she was still abusive. So we went back to foster care. But... The time that we were with her, I actually got to go to a a high school, a regular high school. That was really interesting for me because I hadn't really, it was in Richmond, California, and I hadn't really been to a high school where you had to get buzzed for guns before you went on campus. So they would wand you They would wand you. Oh my gosh. Not everyone. I I look like a nerd. I didn't look like someone who would carry a gun, but they would wand certain people. Of course, there's a lot of people and they couldn't wand everyone, but they would wand certain people, you know. They would profile. They would profile, obviously. And it was the first time I was in a predominantly black school. So that was different for me. Um, The schools that I had intermittent experiences in were often 
all white schools. So that was interesting. I noticed how I didn't really fit in with the the other black kids. People didn't really like the way I talked, I remember. I just remember my younger sister being able to adapt so well, and I was really jelly of her. <laughs> I'm like, girl, teach me your skills. <laughs> So that was interesting. I forgot to mention that while we were in foster care, we did something called independent study, which is where you just test out of high school. And so I took tests for freshman to senior year of high school, and that's how I was able to go to a regular high school and graduate from a, a regular high school and go to college because you need that A through G requirements, right? Mm-hmm. So while I was in foster care, I just studied a lot and taught myself a lot of things. And that's how I like to work. So it, it worked well for me. And my older sister was doing the same thing. So we would, like, study together. And this is kind of how we grew up is just, like, studying together. You guys had this little team. And you yeah. were... It's pretty remarkable to think that, that you guys were able to stay on state-regulated standards. Yeah. But just I'm with like your little cohort. <laughs> and then test... Into, yeah. or out, you, you tested out of high school? Tested out of high school. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me feel like high school was a joke. And when I went to this regular high school, it was so easy. And I kind of noticed, like, the discrepancies in schools that were all white and schools that were predominantly black. Their expectations of students was really low, is mm-hmm. what I, the impression that I got. I just remember being so bored in class. Mm-hmm. It was frustrating because at that time I was like, at that time I could see that they were just babysitting us. And yeah, it's another, a tangent. So how long were you in the public high school in Richmond? I was there for the duration of my senior year. So you graduated from there? Yeah, I graduated from there. And something happened um, to where my mom couldn't come to my graduation, but my sisters made it. And that was really great. I had an amazing social worker who taught me how to apply to scholarships and stuff. Um, my mom's also like first generation American, and she doesn't really know a lot about like how to navigate college and stuff. So my social worker helped me do that, and she like helped me apply to all these scholarships and apply to colleges. And I got into six of the colleges I applied six out of seven that I applied to and I didn't even realize how big of a deal that was at the time and now that I'm talking about it I'm like wow that is a big deal yeah and then I chose SF State because they had an ethnic studies program and a holistic health program I also wanted to be in San Francisco (laughs) um so I ended up going to state I started out as a nursing student I shadowed a couple of nurses at UCSF and found that I did not want to work in a hospital, for one, and I didn't want to help people who were so sick that they could not be empowered to heal themselves. So I wanted to do more preventative care and more healing work rather than prescribing medication, and which I don't think is very empowering at all. It just leads to dependency. I wanted to work on the other side of the health spectrum. And that clarity came from exploring the nursing. Yeah, that clarity came by shadowing a couple of nurses at UCSF. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. Like, the nurses to me didn't really seem happy. And 
I just felt like the energy in the hospital was really heavy for me. Like, I would have to take naps afterwards. It was just like, and I'm like, I can't see myself doing this for however long. Mm -hmm. And so I switched my major from nursing to dietetics, which is um, basically nutrition. I had to do some soul searching before I did that because I was like at a loss. I'm like, wait, if I can't do you nursing, had to do some what soul searching. Oh, because okay. I was I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. when I decided that I didn't want to do nutrition. I'm sorry, nursing. Um, so I was like, so I just kind of looked back at what I have always been into, and it's always been food, and it's always been health and wellness, and. In the moments where I felt completely out of control in my life, when I was growing up, like, in the chaotic way that we did, I always found comfort in food and and consistency in food that I didn't have in my outside life. So I was drawn to nutrition because of that. And you had kind of an unhealthy balance and dependency mm-hmm. on the emotional parts of mm-hmm. nutrition. Even yeah. though, like, now I know you're in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, can you, because I know that's, we, many of us, most of us, I would say, yeah. really suffer from emotional eating. Yes. And I include myself in that. Stress, loneliness, yeah. excitement, joy. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a yeah communal, celebratory, self-soothing right. thing. Right, it is. So can you share about kind of your journey yeah, so I get to college, and it's it's completely different. And how old um, are you? You're 18? I was 17 when 17? I went to college. 17, okay. And vulnerable was, age. Yes, vulnerable, vulnerable. developmental <laughs> age. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just feeling kind of isolated, and I was feeling a lot of things, and um, it was very different for me, one, to be in one place for so long. Um, I was so used to moving. It was, like, in my blood, and it, I felt antsy all the time. And I also felt isolated because I wasn't around my sisters. So they had moved away, and our family was, to me, like, broken up, even though it was just, like, I was just going away to college, which is normal. I was pretty depressed when I first started college. And I didn't really know how to deal with that or process it. I tried to talk about it with my sisters and friends at the time, but my sisters in our culture, like, we don't really talk about depression, and I didn't really know how to, like, ask for help. With my friends, I didn't really know how to ask for help from them either, and so I developed this really unhealthy relationship with food where... It had always been, like, there for me So growing up. So I, I started eating my emotions. I had all this emotion that I had not dealt with and was feeling isolated and depressed and overwhelmed even. And, and how I dealt with that was by eating. I first developed a kind of like a controlling Thing around food where I would restrict because it made me feel in control of, of something because I felt like my life was out of control and I would count every calorie that I ate mm. 
So that's what restricting looked like in your life, was you yeah. were just very obsessive or meticulous about yeah. counting everything have, and measuring it. And yeah, like, I would mm-hmm. have, like, journals of everything I would eat and just be super obsessed with it. I, I'd say, like, I actually went into nutrition also for unhealthy reasons, too. I was like, okay, how can I, like, restrict some more but do it more healthy? Mm-hmm. And that's so often what happens. Like the very thing we're drawn to is usually unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like there's unhealthy things yeah. that are driving us to it. And then, uh, and then through we find the process, like the health you, in it. you yeah. heal and then you help others heal from it too. Yeah. yeah. And so. Mm-hmm. So you started um, off super restricting. and Started then, off super restricting. I was looking really unhealthy. Like um, super skinny. Super skinny. I already have a pretty small frame and it's hard for me to put on weight. So I was looking really unhealthy, and people started to notice, especially my siblings. They were like, you need to put some meat on your bones. And, you know, in African-American culture, it's very, it's like more common to want to be thicker than to be skinny. And so I felt like pressure there too. So I was like, you know what, I don't, I'm just going to like try to put on weight. And like trying to put on weight became binge eating disorder so I I got from like a very restrictive diet to a diet where I would just eat until I could not literally like eat or move so I would just like stuff food whenever I had any type of emotion it could be happiness it could be sadness it could be confusion any emotion felt uncomfortable for me so I would just eat and I want to add something here Mm -hmm. because I know sometimes people get what do you mean eat your emotions to me when I hear that and mm-hmm. in, in my experience yeah. where I it's you're you're looking for something to distract from how, what you're feeling yeah and absolutely. and so when I am stressed or lonely or like the two big things yeah then I go and there's a jar of peanut butter and I'm like hello peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> or ice cream or whatever you know that pick your yeah, poison you know yeah. and so that is that what you mean by like eat your emotions because yeah. that's what I think yeah, of, and me, I just wasn't sure. Let me lay it on clear for yeah. you. I would go to the grocery store and be like, okay, I'm going to get this cake. I'm going to get this pint of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I would have a binge episode where I would eat a bunch of different sweets, mainly were my vice, in one sitting or throughout the day. And I would literally plan out days like this. I would just feel so terrible because I was depleting my body of nourishment my aches were joint were achy and your joints were achy yeah um, yeah my joints were achy mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah like whenever I had an emotion that I didn't want to process or didn't feel like I was able to process I would just eat because it felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. to sit with that mm-hmm. and it's a way of soothing it's a way yeah. of distracting and soothing Exactly. So there's some wisdom in needing that, in that discomfort. But then, obviously, uh, when it's out of balance, it's... Yeah, and, you know, that was my thing. I was soothing myself with food. The only way that I knew how to soothe myself at that time. It got pretty bad. I had a couple of really bad binge episodes where I... I also don't have a gag reflex. I've never had one. Hmm. So I, I wasn't a binger who would throw up I would just like have to sit with that uncomfortable feeling and so it was I would have heart palpitations and 
I was taking nutrition courses, so I knew like physiologically what I was doing to my body, but I could not stop. And this went on for, this cycle went on for about two years. And I, at this point, I was desperate. So I, I told my siblings. They didn't really understand at all. It was similar So you to would have a binge episode thing. and then be getting heart palpitations. Yeah, heart palpitations. Wow. Yeah, because I was eating so much sugar, I was kind of shocking my body. <gasps> and I was also not eating, like, balanced otherwise. I was mostly restricting when I was in binging. So I was very malnourished, like my hair was thinning, I thought I looked really unwell. I presented as just a normal weight person, because like I said, it's hard for me to put on weight. And so that kind of added to the confusion when I would tell like friends like, hey, I have this issue where I also didn't know what it was. I was just like, is it binge eating? But it, it didn't really feel like binge eating. It kind of felt more like because I wasn't throwing up, I, I feel like I belonged to that category, and I think it was more like overeating. So I, I would talk to friends about like this experience and shared with them after one episode specifically where my stomach was just so full, it was like hard. It was so distended from... Like it was hard to touch. Yeah, yeah. like it was literally hard to touch, and it hurt, and it was like itching because... There's probably, like, stretch marks about to come. (laughs) Yeah, and I told, like, one of my closest friends at the time, hey, I have this issue, and she's like, maybe you should talk to a therapist about it. But I still didn't really feel supported by her. I don't really know what I was looking for. Maybe, like, hearing someone say, like, hey, that's... Stop. (laughs) I don't know. But everyone was mostly like, you look fine. I, I think it's fine. You know, everyone gains the freshman 15 or whatever. But I knew it was different. I felt out of control with food. And I was eating a large amount just whenever I had any strong emotion. So I went to see a therapist on campus. I told her what I was struggling with. And she, like, literally chuckled (laughs) during our session. And I just felt so alone and so isolated. I was, okay, like... No one can help me. I need to help myself. That following semester, I just happened to register for a stress reduction class. I took this class, and second day of the class, we did a mindful eating practice. That practice literally transformed my life. (laughs) It taught me how to enjoy food again. And I had binged earlier, too, but we were... So I was, like, really, really full and, like, lethargic and didn't want to be there. We were led through an exercise of eating a raisin mindfully. And normally I would just eat and, like, taste maybe, like, the first bite and then just feel the sense of fullness, which was, I think, the comfort that I was getting out of binge eating was that comfort of feeling full. With this exercise, it was more about the experience of eating and fully being present with your food and where it came from and how it's brought into your body. That exercise taught me how to eat again. How old were you? I was, oh my gosh, I was 22. So this had went on since I was, I want to say 17 to, to 22. After that, I started to get better I started to use meditation when I had a difficult emotion. I started to really feel connected to 
the people around me. Because I think that's another thing with emotional eating. It's a desire for connection and comfort that you would get from a community. And so I started developing stronger bonds. And I started developing a better relationship to myself. It became less about wanting to... Wanting to get better to please other people and and more about wanting to get better so that I liked myself. It was also less about like wanting to control me and more about just wanting to experience life more. That's so huge. Yeah, and it really needed that shift because I'm such a perfectionist that if I looked at it any other way, like control this I would always be failing myself but if I change the perspective to wanting to experience life better is this really how you want to experience life Laku and the answer was no and and so I I tried to eat almost as much as I could it's close to that exercise and that's what helped me get better yeah so I I had to help myself get better because no one around really understood what I was going through and for me that was I was really empowering and that's what I want to help people get to yeah and that moment where you stop being externally referenced like you stop measuring your value Mm -hmm. by the from the outside in versus Mm -hmm. the inside out which I think man the more people we help to do that and listen yeah. to that. Like, It'll make the world so much better. So much ha- happier and healthier. <laughs> so can you take us through that exercise? Like, if Yeah. What do you think about when... So let's pretend I have a strawberry. Okay. Okay? And I have a strawberry. And I'm like, I'm hungry and I'm stressed. And I've been going nonstop since 6.30 a.m. And I'm starving. And I just want to, like, inhale. Mm. Come home. So what wow. do I do in that moment? Okay. So what's the first thing you do? First, honor your hunger. You're hungry. And that's okay. You want to inhale the strawberry. I want to inhale, like, the whole box or the whole bag of them. (laughs) That's completely fine. I, I would lead you through an exercise of grounding first. Of breathing? Of grounding. Mm hmm So I would have you imagine a cord coming from the bottom of your spine and going all the way into the center of the earth and then just feeling that comfort that you feel there and then bringing that comfort back up into your body up your spine into your heart space up into your head and just feel your body you might feel the hunger You might feel the anxiety. Just breathe. Breathe it out. And inhale calm and peace and tranquility. And then I'd invite you to think about the strawberry and where it came from. Think about the field it grew in, the sun that shone on the strawberry, the the ants crawling on the strawberry leaves before it was picked. Think about the strawberry's journey and really connect with it. 
and then I'd invite you to lift the strawberry up to your nose and really take in that aroma and how does that feel in your body what thoughts are arising and then I invite you to pretend like you've never seen a strawberry in your life and open your eyes and just look at it and just be like okay it has it has these little spots it has maybe some leaves and just really like mesmerize yourself by be mesmerized by the strawberry and then I'd invite you to take a bite but don't swallow it yet and just like feel the bursts of flavor in your mouth and know that your digestive system is activating because you've taken the time to slow down and really eat and experience your food and you eat a strawberry that way it will be the best strawberry you've ever eaten in your life <laughs> and that's something that everyone can do and it's so easy and it it's not something you have to do like with every meal but I really like I really like doing it at least once a day to really ground and it's like something everyone has to eat everyone has to eat at least three times a day so it's such a good reminder to like ground yourself throughout the day and really like connect with this experience of life this experience of eating and know that like we're we're meant to enjoy every experience that we have including eating like eating the way that I was eating where I was stuffing my food and not enjoying it like that was that was harmful to myself and that was abusing myself and just like not really that wasn't honoring myself or my life um so I like to think of eating as a way of honoring ourselves and oftentimes I refer to eating as ritualistic and ceremonial. And what I'm struck by in this moment too is it's not only honoring yourself, but like it's honoring every single person. It's honoring what I'm eating, but it's also like to get from that strawberry in the field, to get it to to my plate, Mm -hmm. the person who had to pick it, the person who washed it, the person who put it in the thing, the person who... Put it on a truck and carried it. Yeah. And then the person who unpacked it, it's like honoring that whole... Right. Like, it's not... It's all the people that are in the process of that as well. Yes. And, like, wow. metaphysically, you and know... And then I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. You're okay. connected. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love how you put all the points together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that connection. Mm-hmm. So you're connecting to everything that connects all of us, right? Which is energy or source... Um, so that's like the metaphysical perspective and like physiologically you're actually preparing your body to receive food abundantly and when we eat in a state where we're like stressed out and not really like zoned in on what we're eating it's actually not being absorbed as well as it should be it's not being digested as well as it should be or metabolized so like the moment we start to really engage our senses Mm -hmm. the the sight the smell and really taste it and like notice like what part of your tongue 
is tasting it? Is it the tip or the middle or the back? Or is it tangy or is it sweet? Or is it like to really notice that's what prepares digestion? Really, it's, it, could be as, it could be that, or mm-hmm. it could be as simple as just taking a few deep breaths before you eat mm-hmm. to calm down your central nervous system and activate your metabolism. Because it goes to sleep when we're in fight or flight or when we're under stress or any reason, really. Or inhaling your meal in less than five minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're inhaling your meal. <laughs> Also, like, you know, it takes time for your body to recognize that it's full and and it needs, like, kind of time to warm up. And breathing and noticing your food really gives it time to warm up and be ready to assimilate your food. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my journey. And that's what you help people do. That is. And yeah. it's all inspired by my experience with food and my unhealthy relationship with food which I'm so grateful for because it taught me so much about how I want to relate to food which is the opposite of how I used to (laughs) and it's such a great opportunity every day so many times a day to reconnect Mm -hmm. and to ground Mm -hmm. yeah beautiful So I've been working on how, I feel like I, every time I meet with a client, like, I gain so much, like, they gain insights, and I gain insights, and I just feel like my, how I help people is always changing. What it is now is helping people lead more intimate lives through leading a more intimate relationship with food. So that relationship to food just spreads out into every area of our life because how we relate to food is how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to others. So it's all connected is what I'm noticing. And so I like to help people lead more intimate lives. Yeah. It's empowering and scary. (laughs) It's not really scary. It's, I think some people hear intimacy and they're like, ah! Ah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Intimacy can be scary, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of the point of life is to really be in it, you know? And, like, whenever I think back to how I used to be when I was, like, emotionally eating, I wasn't really in life. I was just, like, avoiding it. I was avoiding my emotions. I was, like, not really feeling my body. Because if I was, I would understand that I was hurting myself. And so many of us go through the day, like, consistently hurting ourselves. And that's... Even if you're not emotionally eating as badly as I was. And if you're just, like, maybe having consistently negative thoughts around food. Or, like, feeling like, oh, this is bad food, so I'm bad. And... I would always be like, I was so annoyed I had to eat. I would wish that I had an IV so I wouldn't have to stop and eat. Whoa. Yeah. Like, and I just eventually got how insane that was because mm-hmm. it really is an opportunity to, to recenter. Yeah. And I still forget it sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when I'm rushing. Yeah. And getting caught up in the anxiety of more and more and more. And then... I feel I'm better attuned to like 
feel the tightness in my throat mm-hmm. and the churning of my stomach. I'm like, okay, I got to stop and breathe yeah, and be present. But I mean, I know I'm not alone in the, obviously we have a huge fast food industry and everything's right. about more and more like faster, faster. And there's almost even now an obsession, I think, especially in California, an unhealthy obsession with health. Yeah, there is. It's crazy. It's, it's like, oh my God, culture. it's a new, like, it's a new way of shaming yourself constantly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Like, oh my gosh, how do we find the balance here of really being present and healthy without further, yeah. furthering the damage to ourselves? Yeah. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. It's honoring yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, you're right. All these, we are in a health bubble right now. And everything is all about, like, what you're eating and doing yoga and, like, and everything. Whole foods and whole green foods. juices. And it's so and, trendy. Yeah. But in California, it is. It's this own little yeah. bubble here. But I know other Go regions of the country else. and the world are not like that. But yeah, here it is. I was yeah. just in Montreal and they, it's just starting to hit there. <laughs> they just discovered veganism. <laughs> Um, and veganism is like a huge trend right now too, which is cool, but a lot of people are not really doing that in a balanced way and it's kind of problematic how there's a lot of like hating other people who are not vegan, which isn't that great. Like I think food should bring us together, not separate us. But yeah. Diet culture is the same as it's always been. It's just being marketed in a different way. It's always been you are not good enough until you do this or buy this or get the smoothie that's delivered to your door, which you could make in five minutes. Um, it's like carrying, you know, the the esteem people feel in carrying like a green juice or something like that. Yeah, and how to avoid that is to honor yourself. What, before you eat anything, just ask, is this honoring me? Is this for my best interest? Is this in my highest good? That's a really simple way that... That's so powerful. I would avoid that. Before eating anything, is this honoring me? Is this in my highest... Yeah, and like you can have the same... God, you can do that with so many things. So many things. Yeah. Like, and you can also think about, like, the thoughts that you have when you see, like, scrolling through Instagram and think of, you know, there's tons of beautiful food on Instagram, but if you think about, is that really honoring me to eat that, mm-hmm. to eat that way? Am I just going to eat this, drink this smoothie because it's trendy or is it good for my body, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like we're in a place where we're doing a lot of things that look good, but underneath, they're not really, there's not really a lot of substance under it. Yeah, yeah. it's that externally referenced, like trying to look good, trying to be healthy, which the motivation, yeah. I, I mean, I think is, is good, but it's just seeking it from the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, to me, doesn't really feel like you're honoring yourself when everything is just to please other people. 
Mm-hmm. Gain popularity or likes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love sharing the gratitude practice. Uh-huh. Um, what's something... Well, because when you practice gratitude, it helps you be more joyful and then yeah. it helps you spread more joy in the world. Happiness. And so is there anything you're especially grateful for? I am... I'm grateful for my bed. <laughs> I really like my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Having a good in bed is so important. Um, yeah. yeah, I really like simple moments, like waking up to suns, the sun in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can like list a million things that I'm grateful for. So how about just three? Okay. Um, so your bed, that's a good bed, one. Um, yeah. I'm grateful for... Based on this conversation, I'm really grateful for, like, going through that period where I wasn't eating healthy, where I was eating emotionally. It was really hard, but it taught me so much and allows me to relate to a lot of my clients uh, in a way that I really think is special. I'm really grateful for my ability to just kind of dive into things and just figure it out as I go and just owning how I'm different and just owning that and not really being not really concerning myself too much with what other people think so that's a huge gift (laughs) that's like a milestone Uh, sometimes it's it's hard gets me into trouble (laughs) (laughs) but when you get to a point where you're you care less about what people think, and you're that, that's pretty liberating. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Another question, another thing I love to hear, especially from women, is what do you love about yourself? Like, what do you oh. celebrate yourself? Like, this is opportunity to brag and to really own, and you kind of tapped into it in the last yeah. one, but like to really own how bomb you are. Oh. Oh my goodness. Um, And the reason, this is different than like a narcissistic kind of bragging. This is like when you own you and your life, it gives other people permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. And it gives you permission to show up fully. It does not mean you are better and it does not mean you are less than. It's really just like fully being here and living Mm -hmm. and not hiding or trying to shrink yeah. That's yeah. the intention behind it. Yeah. My initial thought is I really like my, my, it's hard to describe, but I guess I, my presence, I like that I make people feel comfortable. I like that I, the way that I lead, like it's not like a, top down it's more of like a side by side collective it feels to me like you walk with yeah like yeah you're you're a guide you're a few steps ahead but we're not mm -hmm. ahead but like you've been on the journey and you're like guiding us I'm like in the circle yeah yeah so like if I'm like leading a circle I'm in it Mm. and I like that I like that I make people feel comfortable and I like the way that I lead yeah it's not egoic it's like very much how can I serve that's something I've just realized about myself recently and I'm like whoa I actually like that (laughs) yeah that's powerful yeah yeah 
So that's how I would brag about myself. Well, thank you for that leadership, that inviting and welcoming kind of leadership. I think our thoughts, our desires, our intentions are really powerful. What is your prayer or intention or wish for our country or the world or the planet? It's a really big question. That's so sweet. Like if there's, if I have a magic wand here and I can be like, how, what kind of change do we want for our country or for the planet? I think it would be, I would want everyone to be able to experience food Mm -hmm. and have an intimate relationship with food themselves and with life. So I feel like that would make the point of being here more about experiencing joy and, and that would make the world a better place thank you yeah but well, that's it no, that's I think it. that's it well thank you so much for having this conversation with me oh I will think of you when I'm taking a bite of my next meal Yay. and I I hope that the listeners will too cool all right thank you so much for listening again that was Laku Flipsy You can learn more about her programs at enlightenedmunch.com. If you have a story to share or an experience that helped you find your voice, I'd love to hear your story. Please go to she'sheard.com and click on the button that says share my story and sign up for our newsletter for updates on the latest releases and opportunities to connect. Tune into the next episode. More inspiration, wisdom, and insight is on the way. Until next time, standing in our collective liberation, be well.